Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show. I am Louise Salas, your host on the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. Um, and with me, as always, is my friend, my very talented friend. If I am her Ben, she is my Jerry. Unbelievable. <laughs> the mixtress DC, Gina. Thank you. I don't know how I feel about that intro. Let's go back to that Gidget thing. I'm, ba- I'm like way into it. So it'll make sense. All right, let's do it. Um, because this episode is going to be all about positive change and that um, how the actions you take can have such a ripple effect and can change the world it's big and small all around you and just you don't always realize it. Um, and so uh, to start off the show, I want to I want to give you a little quote from a genius. I think that maybe we lost a little too soon. Be the co-founder of Apple and, of course, Steve Jobs. So he uh, once said, the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. It might be a little scary, but I think it's incredibly inspiring. Um, and I think uh, today's designated drinker is somebody who embodies that sentiment um, of thinking and acting differently. And the choices that he's made throughout his career have uh, really formed and helped shape the spirit industry as it is today. Um, so with no further ado, um, please help me welcome to the show the Global Advocacy Director of Bacardi, Jacob Breyers. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you both for having me. It's been wonderful to be here at long last. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, it's great to have you here. Um, so I know that sounds like a big intro. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> going to be able to live up to that. Uh, a Steve Jobs quote is always, you know, like it puts you in a, in a, on, on a plateau that you're, uh, you've got to try and live up to. So it's I'm an echelon there. you, you, you definitely on. belong. We have your turtleneck right here. No, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Um, but you've been such an instrument and a po- of positive change throughout your career. Um, and I know you're going to be humble and say, no, no, no. But really, honestly, can you please just start at the beginning? Because everyone's going to realize that I'm not blowing smoke. <laughs> Or at uh, least prove it. That I'm not. Uh, sure, sure. I'll try to. I'll try to live up to it. No, I've been extremely lucky, obviously, through through my career to meet you know great people, probably at the right times, who gave great, me great opportunities, and I've tried always to do the same. But I guess to wind it backwards, you know, how did we end up here? Um, it was a sort of a long, a long road. Um, you talk about obviously about positive changes. Many of mine were perhaps you know perhaps less intentional changes than I just grabbed an opportunity that was in front of me. And it turned out to have, you know, unexpected consequence and, and, you know, and it became an interesting pathway that, you know, I took to its full extent and then, and then chose another path and another path. And all of a sudden you end up, you know, um, having had a long and interesting journey. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I mean, I guess I'd always been interested in bars, restaurants, drinks. I grew up in the wine country in New Zealand. Um, That's cool. And my first ever job was actually on a winery. Um, at sort of 12 years old, you know, just mowing the lawns and, and packing wine bottles and, and cases and that sort of thing. So, I think it's always um, cool when people start at like such a small, like small space. But I mean, again, sure. it just goes back to the to the point that even the smallest things we do have ripple effects and sure. that you play. Um, it may be a small piece of the puzzle, but you are definitely a piece of that puzzle. And I think sometimes we forget um, what kind of impact we can have. Sure. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know, even even from even younger age, actually, my parents tell me I used to, you know, from four or five, used to sort of like to play restaurant and set the table and deliver the plates <laughs> and all these sorts of things. So hopefully, they liked it at the time. It was like, hey, fine. It normally takes years to house train a child like this. We've got them doing dishes and delivering plates, but um, yes, it's totally legal in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I think I'd always been probably fascinated about the bar and restaurant world, but my my decision to sort of end up in with it working in bars was kind of well it was both intentional and accidental so I was at law school in Wellington in New Zealand and most of my friends had a part-time job and they hated every single job that they were doing and and it really also the times of you know where working in retail working in you know telemarketing all of these sorts of the jobs you do to pay your way through college and I was sort of looked at each of them and you know they would take you know four or five hours four times a week and it was having a big impact on their studies and just you know none of them were particularly happy so I looked around and said to myself well what's the job I can do that's going to have the least impact on my schedule and you know, I need to w- work about 20 hours a week to be able to pay for studies. The so, most bang for your buck. Right, right. And I found bar and restaurant work, you know, I could do two shifts that would run to 10 to 12 hours a week. And, um, you know, if I worked Friday and Saturday nights, I'd avoid the temptations of the weekend. And then my friends would come in and see me wherever I worked. And so and pay you. Right, right exactly. So <laughs> Instead of burning it, come yeah. see me tonight and give me all your money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, there was sort of, you know, accidental but also intentional. You know, so my choice to find, you know, a part-time job in the bar world was, you know, kind of... Um, you know, in retrospect, you think, you you know, you, you meet people who've had far more planning in that. But, you know, I'd, gave, I'd given it serious thought. And there was a bar that had just opened in Wellington, which was a cocktail bar called Matterhorn. And it was sort of the very first place that was doing, you know, I guess the cocktails that bars in, you know, London were doing. Um, or at least that's what we like to think that they were doing. You know, there's a yeah. thing in New You're Zealand, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, you, I mean, you come from, you know, you live in Hawaii. So, you know, if you feel, if you're in the islands and you're surrounded by water, you feel a lot of isolation. So there's a nice, sometimes it's nice to feel like you're connected to whatever's happening in the rest of the world. Anyway. Yeah, in in Hawaii, the the connection is really with the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. But you still feel like remote, right? And so we certainly felt, you know, remote from everywhere else. And so, you know, um, so anyway, so you wanted to sort of feel like you you lived in a big city and this was a big city bar or at least attempting to to be that way. Anyway, they took one look at me and said, you have none of the experience required (laughs) to work here. Go and get a job. And so I just walked around and like, was like, you know, asking for bar jobs, see where, see which ones I could get. And the only place that would take a chance on me was a sort of hybrid Irish-English pub, and it was St. Patrick's Day. And they said, if you can start today... Oh, good then, God. Uh, then, oh, my know, God. <laughs> if you can start today and you can survive St. Patrick's Day, then we've probably got a job for you. And it was the sort of place, you know, the backpackers would come and work in for a couple of months. So it was pretty easy to very quickly, you know, within a month, I was sort of the de facto manager. And, um, you know, which was like, you know, gave me an amazing understanding of how the bar and restaurant industry works. And so eventually I then went and worked um, at this cocktail bar that I'd sort of wanted to work at in the first place. And it was sort of a really amazing time. But again, you know, unintentionally, it was sort of uh, Wellington was had turned into this kind of um, film capital. You know, Lord of the Rings was being shot there at the time. Yeah. And so the bar was busy every single night with people who were... You know, so you had like hobbits coming in for drinks? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. We kept the bar very low, yeah. <laughs> Three, three feet high so that they could order whatever cider they needed. Um, 
Yeah, and so, you know, and it was just, and again, you know, when working there, I sort of gave myself the challenge, like, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to be as good as I possibly can. So I started ordering the cocktail books and researching things online and trying to find, you know, all the things we should know as bartenders, but didn't know because... There was no previous generation yeah. to teach us um, and and sort of built out of sort of reasonably thriving, you know, cocktail culture and won a few awards and those sorts of things. So it was great. And then um, all the awards. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is New Zealand. There's only one. There's only one. And then um, <laughs> there's only one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's sort of just as I was starting to think, oh, it's time to go back and do, you know, a, a more serious career. Um, I had um, I had a sort of uh, a monthly gig where I would go to our local the best liquor store in town. And they'd said to me, you know, are you interested in coming and, and basically training consumers in how to make drinks? And so that was fa fascinating for me because it would enable me to deep dive into any particular spirit. So, you know, vodka, tequila, mezcal, which had just started to arrive in the country. Um, and I met the founder of a, well, I, I met him already, but, you know, got a chance to properly connect with the founder of a vodka brand called 42 Below, yeah. which is based in Wellington. Jeff Ross, the owner, who is an absolutely visionary businessman, entrepreneur, and just had an ability to sort of find great people and set them on a pathway to doing great things. So, yeah. Cool. He said to me, you know, that was a fascinating evening. You know, I spent three hours of trying to make vodka interesting and, you know, selling the stock for the, for the store. And he said, you know, could you turn this into a program? Uh, and that was sort of the end of 2001. So the end of start of 2002, I sort of joined in a part-time way as one of the first sort of global ambassador figures in the industry going around, wow. first around Australia, Southeast Asia, you know, going to Singapore, Bangkok, those sorts of things. Oh, to, yeah. um, no, nowhere. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, just little places like that. Well, I mean, that feels like the sort of, you know, like a sort of, you know, um, it just feels like your backyard if you're from New Zealand. It's I'm not sure. quite the same as, you know, going to London or New York. Oh, um, I guess it, it would be like us going there because it's such a, a big ordeal. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And, so, um, and so, you know, I sort of joined the company and became increasingly sort of full time, sort of again without meaning to, but Jeff was, you know, a really visionary um, figure and he was building a great team and his aim was, you know, to create an iconic New Zealand brand and sell it all over the world. And so, you know, as a proud Kiwi, that was something that I was, you know, that really spoke to me. And so um, I, yeah, basically started jumped on a plane and spent the next six years traveling around the world, you know, educating tens of thousands of bartenders every year and, and, and building up, I think, sort of one of the first brand ambassador programs, um, you know, where whichever market we launched, we'd try to hire a brand ambassador. And I think we were one of the first companies to really do brand ambassadors and brand education in a really big, sustained way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that kind of speaks to my background as a creative mm -hmm. and being part of the advertising industry. When you build ambassadors, it really humanizes a brand and really helps yeah. the consumer connect with it. Sure, I think it's really important because you, you, and who's going to be, you know, you, 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 you want passionate advocates, whatever it is you do. Right? Absolutely. So either, ideally, they're the fans of your product or your, your spirits or your cocktails or of your bar. But if you can't find those, or, or your you small little podcast, yeah. same thing. <laughs> Subscribe, exactly. review, download. Exactly. And if you can't find those, <laughs> then go off and shameless. go, then, then go off and hire people who have that passion and that enthusiasm and set them free. Yeah. And they will do the work for you. And that's very much what we did. Yeah. So. Wait, I have a question. Did yeah. you finish your law degree? Uh, I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. Did you take yeah. the bar? Uh, no. 
So that could be like your later life career thing. You'll be like, start, start defending all the bartenders when we do everything wrong. You'll be like, all right, yeah, let me get that, let me get the degree, let fully uh, get barred and everything like that. Yeah, no, no, I never did that, but um, I uh, so, but you know, it was, it was always, and I think I think when we talk about sort of intentional versus accidental, you know, I'd always said to myself, all right, this will be what I end up going back to, and um, never quite did that because there was always a you know a, a really fun opportunity that was right in front of me, and so initially I said, you know. I'll join 42 Below for sort of two years. Uh, my original aim had, you know, had been to go, you know, um, to work in politics. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, working for a New Zealand company that wants to build itself on the world stage will be an interesting kind of uh, thing to, you know, have, have experience to build. And so that was, you know, my primary motivation in joining 42 Below was to just, you know, have some experience in selling New Zealand on the world stage. That's really cool. That's mm. it, following passions. I did the opposite where I bartended through college mm -hmm. so that I could make a buck really. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You could work shorter hours, make more money, but really my passion was always going to be in advertising. Right. And that was where, it, that's where the divide happened mm -hmm. for me. And you went the other side. Yeah. Cool. I think it's, uh, I mean, bartending is a sort of, you know, is a really fascinating career. And I, you know, I, I, there was a piece in the New York times a couple of weeks ago talking about the demise of the summer jobs and just, and in fact, part-time jobs in general, because students in particular are just too busy now. And, you know, they've got to do all the things, or all, all the things to build out the resume. Well, yeah. But see, every generation has always <laughs> said that. So you got to wear pink. They're very busy. Yeah. No, I mean, um, how much, how many, how many more sneakers they need to buy? You're right. Oh. It's a See, tough generation. I, I take totally the opposite view, which is that the you know whichever generation is in front of us is usually working even harder than the previous generations. It's just we can't see it, yeah. and uh, so they're building out their you're CVs. Which I'm old. including me. Don't worry. I have nieces in that millennial yeah. age. I think we in the in the in the bar world we prefer the term vintage or age matured. <laughs> um, so you know sure. we uh, we're a slightly more mature generation, which means we you know deserve a higher price. But anyway, you've got these. You know, you've got these students coming out and they're really trying to build out their resumes with the aim of getting, you know, it's competitive to get into college. And they're missing this opportunity to take the part-time job. And I think that actually is a is a terrible thing because I genuinely believe that, you know, working in bars and restaurants, whether it's for a couple of years or, a, you know, a, a decade, um, builds out skills about, you know, how to how to deal with people from all backgrounds service i mean yeah. i mean services is, is not an easy job it's it's mm. it's it's hard work yeah. but it also builds character mm. you yeah, like you said you meet people from all around the world and you and you just i think it's it, more than that it can yeah. build a great work ethic it, well it's even more than that you have to connect Mm -hmm. You're a bartender, you want to make money, you have to connect. Absolutely. So when you walk into a room or a job interview or a new account or you're in a boardroom meeting and like, you know, you have no problem with that moment where like it's 12 strangers, you just walk right in. You're like, hey, everybody, how are you? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's, just, it's night after night. Every seat as they turn, it's just another, it's another way of, of doing that. Like literally, like I don't know the way to describe it. Yeah. I think it also makes you very adaptable. So one of the things about the hospitality industry is that the work broadly is the same every single day. So you can, you know, the, the technical skills that you know, people like Gina and great bartenders or waiters bring to the, the table broadly don't change, but every day is different. Yeah. So, you know, you've got this kind of, you know, framework of, of uh, skills and you know broadly what the day is going to be like, but you have no way of knowing what exactly that evening is going to be like when you walk through. What the tool? You're going to have so to pull builds, out of that box. Yeah, yeah. so it builds, you know, adaptability, I think, to um, to playing whatever is in front of you. Yeah. And that's a, a really great skill to build. I totally agree. So, so uh, 
Speaking of skill. Yeah. Well, well, let's, well, it's a natural, <laughs> let's talk about the, right, we'll do natural progression. You ready? Right. So Jacob is with 42 Below. 42 Below was acquired by? Uh, Bacardi. Okay, so yeah. now we'll bring in the Bacardi. Fantastic. Um, so we're gonna make a cocktail for you using Bacardi, and, we'll, and then you can start talking about the Bacardi thing as as Sure, it. yeah. Um, so I've known Jacob a long time, so I know that he loves fresh everything, right? So don't, this is not a man that you're gonna get away with, anything that wasn't fresh, raw, some not produced, and if not cold um, syrup would probably be the best thing and less sugar. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very impressed. So I have this little pineapple, right? Beautiful. And I have a nice little top and then I core it out. Whoops. I core it out the pineapple. So we're going to actually use it um, in the drink because I wanted to make sure that it was really lovely. And we're going to use like, I don't know, about two tablespoons. I would guess. Popping it everywhere. But it's all right. It's all right. But, you know, we'll eat it later. Yeah, yeah. I do, exactly. Right? So we're going to put this in there and, and then we'll take a little bit of mint. And we're gonna muddle it all together. And I went to this lovely, um, well, I don't know if we said it, we're in New Orleans. Yes. We're in New Orleans. Fantastic. And there is this lovely uh, little raw place that I found. And they do uh, raw juices, raw food. Um, everything is organic and beautiful. So um, we're gonna actually use coconut meal. Wow. Coconut milk, a little bit of cayenne and turmeric. Fantastic. Yeah. Sounds Amazing. delicious. Yeah, pressed, pressed this morning for you. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> I just traveled here, so I was not going to be able to do that for you. So this is kind of interesting. So if you're at home, you know, you can go to your local stores. You can get fresh, pressed juice. You know, you don't have to go to aisle three in the grocery store and buy something that looks like the fruit that is self-sustainable until the end of time. Okay. So it's not that hard, right? So you're going to take that pineapple. You're going to muddle it for a little mint, about two to three leaves. Um, and now we are going to add our Bacardi and we're going to actually kind of gotten into session cocktails. Yes. So it's a little less alcohol, especially when you're going to deal with hotter months. While we're here in New Orleans, where it is a little, it's a little so swampy. We're going to use a 1.2, uh, about one and a quarter ounces of Bacardi light rum. Right. And we're going to actually use more of the mix. And this is what it turned out to be. And it's really, really pretty. And I can give you a little sip just so you can taste it so you kind of envision what's gonna Fantastic. happen. Fantastic, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of nice. And what is in this again, Gina? So it's co it's it's raw coconut with the meal. Wow. And then, wow. Um, and then it's a little bit of cayenne, turmeric, and we're gonna put that in there. We're gonna actually put four ounces. So you're gonna make up the difference in your cocktail mm -hmm. using the fresh juice instead of using, you know, more alcohol. And like, do I love a stiff drink? I do. But if I'm gonna have more than I would like to say four, um, it's better to do it over a course of time than try to like stack it all together in like one foul swoop. We're gonna take a little bit of um, ginger syrup, which we did make in uh, DC, so let's travel with us right. on the plane. And we're only gonna use. Um, it was the altitude makes it change. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. It makes it better. It's like pressurized now. No. <laughs> so and the and turbulence. Then, <laughs> there we go. Lime and just about just about a little half an ounce of lime juice. Incredible. Did I measure it? I did not measure it. Great. But, That's okay. I'm yeah. fine. We know I'm a retired bartender now, so I'm not going to judge you on on how exact things are. I didn't exact it, but exactly it's going to be. It should be. Uh, Good. A good healthy squeeze. Hold on. Yeah. Um, you know, or terrible. <laughs> so we're gonna put a little cap on there. 
Amazing. All right, guys, you two. Two minutes. I'm not going to ruin it. To Gina's point, we are at the Napoleon House here in the French Quarter. Um, they're hosting us yet again. The, uh, Ralph has always been so nice to us. The Brennan's is a great family. Great and this family. is an, obviously an incredible city where, you know, probably the only city, I think, in certainly in the United States, possibly anywhere, where, like, cocktails are the most important drink. Yeah. I think, in, I think in most, you know, you go to Europe and people are like, oh, I like cocktails, but you can tell they'd rather be drinking wine. Or beer. Or you'll more, feel more naturally at home. Yeah. And I think New Orleans is really why, you know, it's such an incredible city city is, is this is the, the place where cocktails are what everybody comes here to drink yes absolutely it's part of my reach it is a reach cool these are amazing yes fun little coconut mugs Great. and uh you can buy these um online if you want from cocktail kingdom so they're kind of lovely. So if we didn't have those, if, if the listener didn't have like a, like a ceramic oh, coconut. So I would use, I would, honestly, a fresh coconut. You can buy them in your store. They're usually like white okay. um, skin. It's really nice. You want to use a real one, you can put it in a rocks glass. You don't have to do it. Um, I actually have cubed ice in here. So I'm going to um, finish it off with a few more little ice cubes. I did not do crushed ice. <laughs> Just so every like so the strength doesn't need it. Right. Gonna have enough water dilution, so let's stay with something a little bit bigger. And we just did the fun factor on it. Nice. Amazing. Maybe that one's a little too much. Anyway, just shake your coconut. Let's just finish off the drink. Okay. So we're gonna take love to put that in there. Cute. Great. And then always a snack. There's always a snack in world, right? So we just have a little. Dehydrated pineapple, so it's got a crunch. Delicious and beautiful. All right, let's now. Like Gina. Exactly. You always put so much work into your, uh, and thank you for not choosing a plastic straw. I'm even more impressed by that. Um, Always, never. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Cheers. Fantastic. Cheers. Cheers. Lovely. Um, I noticed I don't drink the drinks, so if it sucks, it's too bad. No, it's delicious. Oh, that's yeah. really good. It's fantastic. Thank you. It's yeah. much more refreshing than like when you get that lineup of ingredients. You think to yourself, I wonder if it's going to be quite sweet. But the fresh coconut and the fresh pineapple just make it really crisp and light. You know, I'm terrified, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go home and be like, oh, my God, worst drink I've ever had. No, no, no. no, no. It's really lovely. I, you're right, mm. that savoriness. Oh, I yeah. lost my pineapple inside that's my okay. coconut. That's okay. Um, mm. Amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about Bacardi, how you got there. Yes. Tell us what, what's going on with Bacardi and all the sure. things. Now we can so. sip and drink. Yes. <laughs> sip and so, talk. Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, so uh, I guess in two, 2012, I joined Bacardi. They bought 42 Below, which was the company I worked for. Then I went off, left 42 Below and went to work for, um, uh, set, up, set up a bar in New Zealand, um, which went reasonably well, and then went to work for a company called LeBlanc Cachaca, which Bacardi also acquired. So... Then they came to me and said, look, we've got great brand, a small group of great brand ambassadors and we're doing some cool things, but we really feel like we can do more. And so um, in terms of, you know, I guess education and just, you sure. know, just trying to think globally, if you like, about so where the industry, company. where yeah. the industry was going. Um, so it was an amazing opportunity and I was very, very lucky that, you know, they came to me. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been six years, which has been insane. I don't think I would ever have thought it would last that long. Um, or that, or that, um, or that there would just be always more things to do. Yeah. But so we're very lucky. We've started with, started with a group of around. 
um, 65 brand ambassadors, and we now have um, over 200 all over the world. Wow. Um, part-time, full-time, um, doing, and, and you know, I'm really, it's not just the numbers, right, because the effectiveness, I think, is, is what they're actually doing. So, you know, wherever they're, you know, Nairobi or um, in, you know, Melbourne, Australia or New York or wherever they are, you know, they're providing education to, to bartenders and, and to, you know, cocktail drinkers who often aren't getting the education that they need. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that impact that we're able to leave, particularly, you know, it's exciting to have gr a great team in London and a great team in New York, and we do. Yeah. But those bartenders are not exactly underserved. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the people who are working in you know in Manila and the Philippines and in Nairobi, That's and Kenya, that are you know providing. Um, we've got an ama two amazing guys in South Africa who are you know working with I, I guess um, you know underprivileged youth who have got the opportunity to really kind of make a life for them themselves through coming into bartending and so for me that's the stuff that's really exciting yeah um, giving know. helping people build a a, a profession mm, yeah. and, and, and a career. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's exactly the same messages we would, you know, do and give and, and the ki same kinds of training that we would offer, you know, if they lived in, you know, New York or Miami. Sure. But for them, it, it doesn't take us much work to be able to, you know, to scale that up to include even more people. That's awesome. Um, and so that's the stuff I think that is really, really exciting. That's, those yeah. are the changes that I was saying. That you sure. just big ripples. Those are bigger yeah. ripples. And yeah, we have, you know, an amazing, a truly amazing team of, of brands ambassadors that I think do some extraordinary work and um, and they're just you know I'm very lucky to get to work with them every single day because they just bring so much excitement and energy to trying to make people fall in love with spirits obviously with our spirits but also you know spirits and cocktails in general which I've you know fundamentally believe that it's cocktails that will drive the whole industry forward yeah you know the more cocktails you drink the less you're going to end up drinking in terms of unit total units of alcohol oh, um, interesting. because you know well generally speaking you know we're seeing a decline in the amount of people well, in the total amount of alcohol that people are drinking all, all over the world and that's good news, right? But what's actually declining is just those drinks that you don't think about. So it's the fifth beer, right? Or the fourth glass of wine. Or, you know, people are saying, you know, actually, what, after two drinks, you know, maybe I'll have two drinks tonight. And I guess your options are, you know, do you want to have two of the same beer yeah. or would you rather have two of Gina's cocktails if you've got two drinks That's to drink. an easy answer right. for me. <laughs> That's why I like the sessionable cocktails. I'm sure. starting to really, because yeah. like you can spend your time out, you go to the cocktail bar and it's not like it's in your face. Now, do I love a Negroni? I love Negronis, but it's fully loaded. Sure. You know, especially if you do like a rye Negroni or something like that or an overproofed some, you know, and I, I think they're delicious, but like they're, they're very smooth and they go down very quickly and it's very easy to like miss the mark of where you are. Yeah. And then like, you know, you have to, there's a responsibility to this and a responsibility as a bartender, as like, there are, there are many people in our industry that are like really pushing forward to what people are doing and how your behavior is and like, yeah. you know, what it is and taking and that the connotation away from what people presume the bartender to be the party animal, crazy person, blah, 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 right? So you don't, it's a profession and you should act accordingly. I mean, yeah. you do, you, and you are responsible for your guests as well because if you watch them start downing four and five martinis, yeah. you know, maybe that's when you turn to them and you go, oh my gosh, you want to try this really cool blueberry soda? I mean, they're probably going to tell you no, but they're going to give it to them anyway. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of like, you know, responsible for your guests, responsible for the bar and yourself. And I think it starts, and like, you, after I, under, I met Jacob when I was, um, just really starting out in the cocktail business. 
And uh, Jacob was um, hosting amazing cocktail competitions that we all wanted to get into. Yeah. We wanted to bungee jump and make cocktails in the air. Yeah. And <laughs> jump out of helicopters into <laughs> snow piles. Or, or, or pick a song and DJ yeah. to your song, your music. I mean, like, we did some, there was some amazing competitions and stuff, right? And, like, but they always set the bar, like, well, you did this and that's great and we had a great time. Now it's time to go home. Or if we went to, like, when we went to Miami, it's time to go home. Like, we went out, we had a good time, we went home. And then, you know what? It's okay to go home. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's been a, I think the biggest change for people has been to realize that actually there's a career that you can make out of the drinks industry and out of co- the, you know making cocktails or or the wider you know I don't I don't really make cocktails anymore except at home but you know in the in the wider industry but if you're going to do that you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so I think that's been you know and what's been really positive in both the industry and I think in you know culture in you know the United States and in Europe has been this realization like, hey, we should make sure that, you know, people know what they're consuming. And I think that's a flow-on effect of, you know, food in general, you know, is drinks ultimately are a food product. Yep. And so we should know, you know, uh, how strong are they? How much sugar do they have? Um, and what's the, going to be the effect on me if I have this? Yeah. I think it also flows into the effect of, you know, great bartenders should make really intentional drinks, yes. right? Like, you know, so like you say, you know, people used to have four or five martinis. If they're now going to have one or two, like, let's make that the best, best possible. Best damn you know, martini and, ever. Yeah. yeah. And charge them accordingly, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, so bars and restaurants should also be able to, you know, find a business model that allows them to survive and, and, and be paid for that. But also their drink should be as good as you can possibly make it and made with as much care and the attention to details that, you know, Gina puts into her drinks. Absolutely. And, you know, and then that's going to make people say, well, okay, I'm really glad that I had this rather than like, you know, some bland lager that I could also have chosen to have as my drink for the afternoon. Yeah. Well, speaking of fresh ingredients, just in case you've missed anything that Gina shared with you on how to make this cocktail or any other cocktail for that matter, um, just head on over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. And she'll have everything for you on this recipe and all of her other recipes in the past. And this one is worth making. It's really good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So, Gina. Uh, don't do it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, call it. You all right? Yeah. You want to know what time it is? Uh, closing time. It's closing time. Well, that's right. I guess that's the designated part yeah. of being the designated drinker. And so, uh, Jacob, you don't have to go home. But you have to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. Thank you both for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Really, you. and thank you for this beautiful, uh, thoughtful Always. drink. Always. Always. Let's go out on the lanai and finish them. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah.